You ever see that stuff to be when it get cold, that ice that you can't see? That's how shit happens sometimes. Keep it real with Jared Lawrence. Shoulders of those writing dreams Feeling for the taste of menthol Miss class stayed in the hall Looking for a squeeze play Better yet a holiday Stayed away from the pyramid for a game Broke it down to a neighborhood slang Cash before fame Welcome to Keeping It Real with Jared Lawrence I'm your host Jared Lawrence That was Goody Mob, Black Ice, featuring Outkast. Fun fact about that song. It's a Goody Mob song, but for some reason, Big Gip gets all three Goody Mob verses on that song. And the cool thing about Big Gip's verses on there is he switches his flow up on each verse. So it's three different verses from him, but it's a different flow on each verses. And um, I just remember as a kid listening to that song, and it took me till I was an adult to realize that it was Big Gip on every verse for Goody Mob. But that's one of my favorite songs from Goody Mob. Classic off the album Still Standing, which is a classic album. And I just felt like I needed to get some Goody Mob music playing. I hadn't really played them in a while. And you can never play too much Goody Mob. You never get enough Goody Mob. So wanted to start the show off with that. Have been gone for a little bit. And, um, you know, I always apologize for it. But I will say... I'm coming back strong. Prior to this episode, I recorded a 30-minute conversation with Kayla where we talked about should a woman pay for um, a guy on a first date if she invites him, if she asks him out. So I was going to throw that in on another episode, but I think that content is good enough to stand on its own. So I'm going to make that its own episode, and that will probably go up either by the end of this weekend or maybe like Monday or Tuesday, but that one's done. Also, this episode is going to be straight topics. I'm not going to have any life talk, none of that. We're going straight topics because the last two episodes have kind of been based on things. Uh, Will and Jada, the conversation with Mike, we talked about relationships. So straight topics on this episode. I'm going to do another episode with like life topics, stuff that pertains to my life things in general. 
So I, I wanted to break those two up separately and let's get right to it. A lot has gone on since I've last had a traditional episode. I want to start this off by saying rest in peace, Dwayne Haskins. That was one of the bigger news items over the last few weeks. They just had his funeral the other day. He passed away. I think it was about two weeks ago now. He was hit by a dump truck trying to cross the road on um, I-595, which is a highway in Fort Lauderdale. If you're familiar with South Florida, you get it um, coming from the airport. You get on 595, and it can take you to either I-95. It can take you to 75. Like There's a lot of different options, but it's a highway that you catch from the airport. And now that we've had time to like process everything, in the beginning, the way that we talked about it on the news was you know, remembering him, rest in peace. Adam Schefter was wilding with his tweet. Very insensitive. Insensitive. Did I say that right? Insensitive. Okay. So people were getting on Adam Schefter because he had an insensitive tweet. And that was kind of the focus for the first day. Like, hey, these guys are people. They're not just athletes. Like, you have to mourn them properly. Don't treat them like they're just a piece of meat when they no longer can serve a purpose that benefits you. And I think we see that a lot in the media where athletes are looked at a certain way. What can you do for me? I mean, I I don't want to get racial with it, but hey, it it has some racial overtones to it, undertones, whatever, where they look at them as property. They don't really look at them as human beings. So when Dwayne Haskins passed away, you saw like Adam Schefter, Gil Brandt, and the way they responded to it was, was just very tasteless, and insensitive. And I think on that first day, those first few days, you kind of let the family grieve and you just give your, your well wishes to the family, your prayers. Like you don't not that's not the time to really talk about somebody's character or question things. There's going to be plenty of time for that. Like you have enough time later on to do a deep dive, however you want on their career. But I think the day that it happened, they needed to be a little bit more respectful to the family Even me, like when it happened, I was just like, I was trying to make sense of it. I think that we all do that when we we deal with death, especially when it's somebody we don't know. When it's somebody we don't know, we need to be comforted. So we always need to know why. We need to know what happened. I don't know why we're like this, but it's something about us as Americans, as humans, whatever, that we always want to know why so we can sleep better. I don't, I, I really don't get it, but we're all guilty of it, so... I'm not going to feel bad for thinking that, and I don't think anybody else should. It's a normal thing, especially when you see something on the news. Like, this is not information you go searching for. You you see it on the news, and then you're, like, curious, like, what happened? And you want to know more. But I, like I said, the day he passed away, that wasn't the day for that. But now we're two weeks removed, and I'm starting to do more of a deep dive into it. I literally Google his name, Dwayne Haskins' name, like, every day because I want to know more about this story. Because from the beginning, it didn't make any sense to me, and it still doesn't. They said he was trying to cross the road on 595, which is a, it's an interstate. Very busy road. It was, he was on the westbound side trying to cross, which is, it was, I believe, right where the exit is for I-95. So that part is a little interesting. It was 6.30 in the morning, and he was hit by the dump truck, and I think he got hit by another car, but... This is a sad situation. They released the 911 call the other day. You hear his wife. His wife said that he had called her saying he ran out of gas. 
and I guess he had got out the car to go get gas and he was going to call her back. And when she hadn't heard from him in like 10 minutes, she got um, worried, panicked, and she called 911, got in touch with FHP and all of them and figured out, like trying to find out what was going on. And then like they told her there was an accident, but they weren't sure it was him. And then later on we found out it was him. But just very sad stuff. Then you heard like there was calls from the other drivers who witnessed it. But beyond all that, what still doesn't make sense to me with this whole thing, and they had his funeral yesterday in Pittsburgh, but apparently there's like three funeral slash memorial services going on. They're having one in New Jersey where he's from, and then another one in Maryland where he went to high school. Apparently the parents, Dwayne Haskins' parents, did not go to the funeral in Pittsburgh for whatever reason. Maybe they weren't on board with what his wife had planned. Who knows? I think their statement was, we don't want... We don't want to go to his funeral at the place where we met his wife for the first time. I don't know. There was a little shade in that. I didn't really understand what they were saying there. I don't know if they don't get along with the wife or not. But there's, I guess, some misunderstanding in the family. So they're doing their own funeral for him in New Jersey. And then they have one in Maryland. But getting back to the story, what doesn't make sense to me still about this whole thing and why, I mean, I'm reading about it every day and looking for new things is because I'm still trying to get, um, I don't want to say a sense of closure because it really has nothing to do with me, but it's like one of those things where you're just curious now and you want to know what happened. So they say, he, his wife said he was looking, he had run out of gas and he had got out the car to go look for gas. But the thing that I find interesting is like the day of the accident, the police in their report said, he was on the highway for unknown reasons. So I feel like if he was looking for gas, that should have been stated. Like there should have been some mention of a car. This car broke down here. He, he left it. Like there was no mention of that. And me being like the journalist I am, I'm reading everything thoroughly. I'm looking at all the clues. And the fact that there still has not been any mention of a car is kind of confusing me. And I'm, I'm, that's why I'm trying to find more out with this story. And I'm reading about it every day. But, I mean, you got to take his wife's word for it. But something to me just, it feels like there's more to this story. I don't know if we'll ever get the full answer. But I think there's more to the story. I will say that. Like, I just find it very interesting. We have not heard anything about a car yet. And maybe that will come out later in the police report when they release their final findings of what they investigated and everything. But. That is one of the things I looked for in the beginning. like, And then there's been other rumors and stuff that I'm not even going to talk about because it's not confirmed. But this is one of those stories where I feel like I have not gotten enough information about it. And I'm just very into it. And I want to know more and more because it just seems a little mysterious to me what transpired. Being on the highway, walking on the highway. thats I know people are like, why was he walking on the highway? As somebody who used to work for the Florida Turnpike. I can tell you it is not out of the ordinary for people to walk on the highway. Like I cannot even tell you how many times I've had calls about somebody walking on the highway. And then I had to go and find them on the camera of them walking. And then I have to call Florida highway patrol. I have to tell them this person's turnpike southbound mile marker, 200 right shoulder walking. You give them a description of the person. Because it is very dangerous. That's what people don't realize. First of all, you're not supposed to be walking on the highway. It's illegal. People don't realize that. Or maybe they do. But a lot of times, 
they're doing it because they're trying to find a shortcut. It's a shortcut for them to get to where they're going. If we ever found it, we would tell FHP, Florida Highway Patrol, they would go send a trooper out there. And usually what I would do is I would keep the camera on that person. I'd follow him just to make sure, you know, nothing is going to happen. Nothing crazy happens. Or if something does happen, you know, we're able to know what, the why, the what, and all that. But in this case, from what I'm understanding, there was calls to FHP about it. But I guess they didn't get a trooper out there fast enough to stop him. And I don't know if anybody was watching on camera. But they said he he was in the lane, like he tried to cross over the lane. So I'm wondering if he was trying to get from the west side to the east side of the highway. Maybe he thought he could walk over and then go to 95 and walk. I'm just not sure where he was trying to head head to. And like, once again, there's no mention of a car that was out of gas, even though they said it was. Nobody said anything about a vehicle, which I just find very, very interesting. But the fact he was on the highway, like I said, it's not out of... It's not out of ordinary. That happens more than you would think. But just the fact he crossed over in the lanes, like that part, I'm not understanding. Hopefully we can get some more information on it. Hopefully his family gets the closure they need. Praying for uh, healing energy for everybody. If anything new comes out, I'll update you guys. But that was one of the dominant stories. I think that story dominated the whole day a couple Saturdays ago. So I wanted to start the episode off talking about that. And I'm going to go, I'm going to talk about some topics that are fairly old just because I hadn't really got to topics in a long time on here. So bear with me. Another tragedy that I want to talk about was the Winter Park wedding tragedy. And there was a, um, a gentleman, let me get his name. So this young man's name is Daniel Knight. And he was the uncle of the bride. They got married in Winter Park at, I believe, the Civic Center, Community Center, some type of center over there. And the story goes, he was, like, drunk. And I guess they said there was a, a Karen who called police and said he was assaulting people. And when the police showed up, they ended up shooting him and killing him. This is one of those stories that I'm kind of glad I waited on. Talking about just because the more we waited, the more time that went by, the more information came out. This is kind of similar to what I'm saying with the Dwayne Haskins, where I think more information will come out later. But this one, it was kind of a he said, she said in the beginning where Daniel Knight's family said um, he wasn't drunk. He wasn't acting aggressively. He wasn't pushing people like they, you know, and most families are going to do this when there's when somebody in your family is shot or whatever you're always going to try to make them out to be the nicest person you know you're not going to assassinate their character you're going to make them seem like a good person i understood that from their side but it was still like what happened i still want to get to the bottom of what happened so the karen lady apparently was like she was working the wedding and she's the one who called the police you know white people get a little oh afraid when they see stuff happening maybe they were playing some like down South music, you know, maybe it was playing like Lil John, who you with, knock if you but who knows? Maybe it was something like that, and she just didn't know the environment and got a little nervous, but it wasn't nothing serious. We'll never know like what actually happened because I really haven't seen video of what they claim he was doing inside the wedding. But when the Winter Park police showed up, this is where they were both differing. Um, the Winter Park police had alleged that he knocked out one officer and knocked another to the ground, and then that's why they had to shoot him. 
his family disputed that. They said, no, he didn't do any of that. It's the police's fault. You know, like I said, they're going to defend their, their guy. Winter Park the police is going to defend their people. So I waited and finally about a week, week and a half, maybe two weeks ago, we finally got the body cam footage from the officers who arrived and it kind of, it showed what happened pretty much. So I will say he did knock the officer down. I don't know if he knocked both of them down, but he definitely knocked one officer down and that's when they shot him. However, and this is where I think winter park police is wrong in this situation. Officers approach was, it was absolutely wrong. They were wrong in their approach. They were very aggressive in walking up to him. They didn't walk up trying to deescalate. They definitely walked up looking for trouble. And that's, that's what we talk about all the time. When we talk about police brutality, a lot of times these people like these shootings and stuff can be avoided if the officer's approach is just a little more friendlier, like how they would walk up to a white person. Like, Hey, 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 how's what's going on here, buddy? Like, give us the scoop. Like if they just walk out like that, we probably wouldn't have no problem, but no, they walked out like get on the ground, get like yelling at him, doing all that. Like, and you know, he was probably a little drunk at that moment. So his reaction to the police was a little aggressive. I will say that he met their energy with energy, with the same energy. And that's probably what led to his untimely death. Um, like I said, he knocked the police officer to the ground. And I think they said he knocked another one down. From what I saw, I didn't want to watch the whole video because I didn't want to see the shooting part. But I did see the confrontation. And it was pretty similar to what the police said happened. I mean, his family, they, he wasn't as calm as the family made it seem. But like I said, the police, their approach to him when they first walked up wasn't a calming approach. It was definitely not trying to deescalate. So I can see why he was a little rowdy in that situation. Honestly, that's a tough one to call, but I don't think the police will be held liable. And the only reason I'm going to say that is no matter how they act with you, like if they act like that, if you hit them, push them, whatever, like I don't think the judge is going to rule in your favor if they have to use deadly force which is what ended up happening. Like if he knocks them down, punches them, whatever, the judge is not going to side with them in that case. It's sad. It didn't have to come to that. I wish cooler heads could have prevailed, but prayers to Daniel Knight's family. Hopefully they can get some type of justice for him. If probably monetarily, I don't think you'll get officers in jail, but hopefully they, they can get something that can ease a little bit of the pain that they're dealing with. And there's just been a lot of shootings lately, too. Like, we had the Brooklyn shooter. That, I don't even have that on my topic list, but some guy shot up the subway in Brooklyn and wore a gas mask, and they were looking for him for, like, a whole day, and then they ended up finding him the next day at a McDonald's. They say he called himself in. I don't know, man. The world, I've been telling y'all for a while, the world is getting a little crazy. Everybody be safe out there. Watch your back when you go out. Just try to avoid situations that are violent. I know everybody wants to be like the tough guy in these situations, but man, sometimes you just got to walk away. Not talking about the Brooklyn shooting. I'm just talking about like shootings in general where they're caused because of people, you know, being macho or whatever. The Brooklyn one, there was nothing you could really do about it. The guy opened fire on the subway, threw a smoke bomb in there. Um, I think he shot like 10 people. Nobody died. Thank goodness. And they caught him. And he was one of those guys who was talking a lot of radical stuff. And he was black, too. So, you know, we're getting blamed for that one. 
prayers to everybody that was affected by that. Hopefully everybody can heal and get back to their normal lives. I will say this, New York City police, y'all got to stop worrying about people hopping turnstiles and um, let's take more of a stance on crime on these subways because there's a lot of crime on the subways nowadays. If you guys would focus more on that instead of people fair evading, like we probably wouldn't even have these situations. Then they're talking about the camera was out at the subway. Like, bro, they pay so much money to ride those trains and the service they get is so bad. So I don't even feel bad when people hop these turnstiles because they have to do a better job um, of improving the, the transit system over there. And hopefully they can learn from this. I know Eric Adams is taking a lot of heat lately uh with the stuff that's going on in new york but that comes with the territory you're the mayor so you gotta take it how it is kane velasquez man mma guy got arrested for shooting a guy on the highway and it was another weird story just like why is kane velasquez like you're an mma guy you got freaking hands that can kill somebody why do you feel the need to shoot somebody and then the story comes out that i guess the guy was a pedophile that he shot and the guy was like molesting or had molested one of his nieces or cousins or something. And that's why he shot the guy. And a lot of people are like, you know, I would have did the same thing, blah, blah, blah. And I know like we all want to act in the heat of the moment and we want to get justice ourselves, but it doesn't benefit you in the long run. Cause now you're in jail and you can't even be there for your niece or family member who needs you. So I think, as much as everybody wants to get their own street justice, you got to let the, the police handle, even though the police suck at handling things sometimes, but you got to let the legal system do it. Or at least don't, don't shoot. Like you're an MMA fighter, bro. Use your hands or your feet, like choke them out or kick them or something. Like why did he, I don't understand why he needed to, to shoot him. Why he needed a gun when your, your freaking hands are just as deadly of a weapon. Like that's the part I understand. Cause now he's probably looking at more jail time. But the shooting, then if he would have just punched the guy, like Mike Tyson punched somebody on the flight the other day. And um, I don't even think Mike's going to get jail time for that, even though, like, you're not supposed to punch anybody. But I think that guy, we have enough video evidence of him being the agitator. I don't think Mike gets jail time for that. Whereas Kane, for that shooting, I think he's probably going to probably going to go to jail for that. Because, I mean, even though the guy that he shot, I don't want to say he deserved it, but I mean, it, Kane was mad enough that he felt like he needed to do something. It's not like you, you can't just go out and shoot somebody, man. No matter what you are accusing them of doing, you got to let the, the legal system play out. And I know as parents and people with kids, like you don't think like that, but you got to let that play out because now you're behind bars. And I always tell people when they say this, like I would kill somebody like, but then you're in jail. Like, what does that do besides give you a little bit of grat gratification? What is it? Self-gratification? I don't even know the word. Gratification? Satisfaction. I think I was trying to say satisfaction and gratification together, but yes, it gives you a little bit of that, but in the end, now you're in jail. This guy is probably still out roaming the streets, you know? So I just think there was another way Kane could have handled that situation, especially as an MMA guy. You shouldn't even need a gun if you're an MMA. My two cents on that. What else do we have for news? Oh, Markeith Lloyd was sentenced to death, the death penalty. Markeith Lloyd, 
killed a police officer in Orlando years ago and caused another officer to die in the chase for him. A lot of people wanted him to get the death penalty. You know how I feel about the death penalty. I'm not a fan. I'm never really for the death penalty. Again, I would rather see somebody just spend life in prison. Like to me, whether you're taken off the earth or you're in prison for life, it's like you're out of my, I'm not thinking about you no more. You're out of my worries. So it doesn't make a difference to me, but I'm not a fan of the death penalty just because you have to be consistent in that way of thinking. So if you want the death penalty for someone who's guilty, you have to also be okay with somebody who's not guilty, who's on death row getting the death penalty because it's the death. Like once you're sentenced to death, that's what it is. And a lot of people are innocent. So I'd just rather see you have life in prison if you're innocent and have a chance to fight it than automatic death. And ever since Troy Davis, I've, I've changed my stance on the death penalty. I've just not been for that. Although I've never had anybody in, impacted like that where I would have to make a decision. So some of y'all who have lost family members to violence, which I mean, I guess I have lost family members, but nobody like immediate family. And I just don't, I'm not the guy who, Somebody dying gives me no satisfaction. You know what I'm saying? Like you can be locked up for a hundred years and you're out of my mind. Like whether they're on your mind or not, they're going to be on your mind. So like if they're dead and they were living rent free in your head, they're going to still live rent free in your head. You know what I'm saying? Because you're still going to think about them. So I guess that's the point I'm trying to make is like, no matter whether they get the death penalty or life in prison, if you were worried and thinking about them, you're going to still think about them either way. They just, can't do anything to you physically because they're not here. But the Markeith Lloyd thing, I changed my stance on that one a little bit too. Even when um, he was arrested, like the police beat the shit out of him. He lost his eye. And that's another one where at the time I was like, you know what? He deserved that, blah, blah, blah. And then the more I thought about it, I'm like, no, that wasn't right. Even though he probably, like the police were mad and they should have did it. But it's like, we have to follow a process like, I'm not going to agree with the vigilante justice. I think we have to, if we have a court system in place, we have to follow it. So same way I'm saying Cain Velasquez shouldn't have shot that guy. The police should not have beat up Markeith Lloyd when arresting him. All you need to do is just arrest him and let the justice system serve itself. So I think that's one of those things where as I get older, I'm just seeing things differently. But yeah, I don't, I'm not agreeing with the death penalty thing with him. I know a lot of people want to see him dead and I just don't have that hate in my heart, man. I mean, I remember back when, um, back in the day when bin Laden died and everybody celebrated it and I celebrated it. But now like when I look back at it, cause I was watching like a WWE clip the other day of them, of John Cena announcing the death of his Osama bin Laden on raw and everybody standing up and cheering. And I don't know, something to me just doesn't feel right about cheering death of anybody. Cause I don't want to have those feelings in me where I'm happy to see somebody die, whether I think they deserve it or not, or if they're a bad person. Like, I just don't want to be that guy who gets gratification out of that. Like, I don't feel right cheering that. I'd rather let God deal with them. Let the legal system deal with them. I don't want to have a say on that. Like life and death. Like I'm just, I don't know, man. We're going to have a lot of these types of topics today. I'm sorry. Cause there's so much in the news. Um, your boy Ron DeSantis is out here wilding. Man, he, he's, he's got war with Disney right now, which I'll get to in a minute, but there's so much going on. We have a don't say gay bill, which, man, that, that we'll get to that at some point. 
But he also signed a 15-week abortion bill, which bans abortion after 15 weeks. So it does not include restrictions for rape, incest, or human trafficking. But it does allow abortion if a woman's life is in danger. Now, this one is going to be tough to unpack. If you know me, you know my thoughts when it comes to abortion. I'm more pro-life than I am abortion. But I will say this. I think this bill is probably, without the restrictions, let's put that aside, because those restrictions are bullshit. Those restrictions should be in the bill. Like, you should be able to get an abortion if you are raped, if you have been a victim of incest, or human trafficking. I don't, I have to throw my abortion beliefs out the window in those circumstances because those people did not willingly have sex and they should not have to carry a baby if they get pregnant under those circumstances. So I think that's where I differ from the hardcore evangelicus. I think I'm fucking up that word too, but the hardcore like religious people, the people, the people who are out there protesting the abortion facility fam. Like I'm never going to be that person. I don't like, I, I might side with y'all on some of this, but I don't care strongly enough about the topic one way or the other where I'm going to protest for one side or the other. I just have my beliefs and that's it. But I do think the 15 week part is fair to both sides. I think that's probably the closest we're going to get. Probably because it's 16. So I don't know why the 15 as opposed to 16, 16 is what? Four months. What's a baby? Is it nine months of pregnancy? Yeah, I think 16. You probably should have did about 16 weeks. I think that would have been fair, but I think 15 is still fair to both sides because you can still get an abortion within 15 weeks, which I'm not a woman. I don't know how long it takes you to notice if you're pregnant or not. And then you got the um, no abortion after 15 weeks, which you satisfy that side of the spectrum. But I just don't understand why the Republicans never want to include like rape and incest and this stuff in there. Like that baffles me that they don't think those are good enough reasons to get an abortion. And that's why I'm, I'm a moderate person. Like I don't really lean to one side or the other in these big topics like that. Like even um, transgender bill, which I'm gonna get to later. Cause Leah Thomas, whoo, a lot to say about that topic, but the old abortion thing, I've seen both sides of the argument. I do think Republicans need to give a little bit more to the left when it comes to this. I, like I said, I would go 16 weeks. I'm not, I'm not mad at 15 though. 15 is okay, but I think 16 probably would have been a good even part for everybody. And you could have thrown in the, the restrictions. You could have thrown that in there. So that's probably what I would have did if I was in office, but those people who stand outside the like abortion clinics and stuff, they're not trying to hear none of that. They're like no abortion under any circumstance. So I think that's what DeSantis is doing. He's trying to appease them because those are the people who are going to vote for him. The people who like are so passionate about abortion and the people who are passionate about it being legal or illegal, those people are voting for the candidate based on how they believe, how they feel about those issues. And that's the thing about politics. It's like one issue like that can determine who gets elected. And DeSantis, man, he's catering to the right right now. But I think this might backfire on him. 
I think the people with the 15 weeks is still going to piss off those people on the right. But I'm I'm okay with it. I'm okay with it. I, I'd like to see the restrictions in there. That's the only part I have a, a problem with. I would even leave it at 15 weeks if you threw the restrictions in there. I think, I think that's my biggest thing that upsets me about that. Like, the fact that you're making somebody have a baby when they didn't even ask to get pregnant. I mean, I'm all about responsibility, but I don't think you need to be responsible if you did not willingly sleep with somebody or, you know, incest should be automatic. Like, I don't even... Because they say, like, don't they say... If the child, if you have incest, like the child has, is more at risk for, you know, something being wrong with him or her when they're born. So to me, that's common sense that you would make that something you could do, make that something you could have an abortion for. But a lot of this stuff don't make sense, man, when it comes to these issues. Like people are just so hard headed that they are one way or the other. There's no in between with it. And oh, I have a good quote for you guys. So T.D. Jake said this. He said, God does not arrive in crisis. God is revealed in crisis. And I like that because he's basically saying that God is just not going to show up when things get bad. God is always there with you. But when things get bad, that's when you see him. A lot of times you don't see God because, you know, things are going great in your life. You don't see the good things he's doing for you. That's all God, man. But when things are bad, you're going to see God because he's going to help you get through those bad times. So that's what that quote said to me. Shout out to the South Carolina women's team, the Lady Gamecocks. They won the NCAA championship for the women. I was really into the women's basketball tournament. Me and Mark watched it. Shout out to Don Staley, Philly legend. <laughs> Told y'all the stories of my days at Temple University. I used to see Don Staley all the time walking around the campus and the cafeteria. So mad I never got a picture with her. I mean, back in that day, I wasn't thinking, man. Her and John Chaney, I've seen at Temple. You know, I was part of that era, and I didn't get pictures with either of them. And, damn, if I could go back in time, man, I would do that. But with that all being said, oh, shout out to the Temple women's basketball team, too, because they just hired a new coach, Diane Rich. I love what our AD is doing right now. The AD is like, yo, if you ain't cutting it, man, you got to go. So he's letting some people go, bringing in new coaches. He's, he's setting a new standard for Temple, and I like it. This new women's coach, Diane Rich, says we're going to press from the minute that they get off the bus. They're, we're, we're running. We're going to run. Like, we're not playing slow-paced basketball. I'm looking, I'm looking forward to it. They're moving the games to the Leah Course Center, which is where the men play. I don't know why the women never played there to begin with, but you could just see the culture is changing at Temple. We got the brothers in charge now, and um, I'm, I'm very excited about the future and to see what happens. I was telling y'all earlier how I don't like talking about topics until I get all the information, read more about them. I've been wanting to talk about Leah Thomas, the transgender woman swimmer. I believe she's at the University of Pennsylvania. Yes. I've wanted to talk about this for a few weeks now. Mark was telling me I need to read an article in Sports Illustrated about her. It was a really good article. So I didn't want to talk about it until I read that article. I finally read that article yesterday. And I put like notes together of things I want to talk about. And I'm probably going to spend quite a bit of time on this topic because there's a lot to unpack here. There's a lot of different ways to cover this. I want to be fair. I'm talking about this by myself. This is why I don't want to talk about it with nobody else either because 
feel like all my friends feel strongly about this one way or the other. And I don't know if I can have an honest conversation with anybody about this issue. So I need to do this on my own so I can get all my thoughts out. You know how I am. I like to get all my thoughts out. I like to attack this from a different angle than most people do because my mind just works differently. I see the world differently. So I'm always going to have a different opinion on these things than you're going to get from your mainstream media. That's why you come to keeping it real with Jared Lawrence, because I give it to you from a different vantage point. So I read the article and it's called, I think it's called I am Leah Thomas. Fantastic article on sports illustrated. I also read a couple other articles cause uh, I want to see both sides of it, <sighs> man. Shout out to my friend too. I have a friend who's a swimmer. Well, I had asked originally her opinion on it um, because she was a woman. She's liberal and she swim collegially. So I was like, you know what? If somebody could give me a good opinion on this whole thing, it would be her. So I, I talked to her a while back. I'm going to read what she said before I even get into this, what my whole opinion is on it. Okay, so she says... 100% she has an advantage. She said, I can't see going through puberty as a man and then transitioning and not having an advantage. She also said, I would say the consensus based on all the swimmers I've talked to, she has an advantage. So think of how much more power Phelps has because of his height slash wingspan. I don't think she is Phelps level good, but being taller, more powerful stroke via stronger lats. That's some swimming talk. Bigger forearms and hands are all advantage advantages in the pool. So that was her opinion on it. Like I said, I read an article and I'm not gonna lie. The Sports Illustrated article was very pro Leah Thomas. They but they, I thought they they made their argument. And they made a strong case for their argument. And that's why I like that article. So basically what they said is, which I didn't even know much about Leah Thomas. So this was a good way for me to learn about her. But I don't even remember what her um, name was when she was a male prior to being transitioning to Leah Thomas. But she's from Austin, Texas. She went to Penn because her brother went there and swam for Penn. And she always wanted to go to Penn. So she went to Penn. University of Pennsylvania, West Philadelphia, the Quakers. And as a freshman, she was decent. She wasn't great. She wasn't bad. She was decent as a freshman. I think they said in like once they made it to the conference championships, she finished in eighth in some of the races. Now it's like a 500 freestyle, a 100 freestyle, 1600. Like I don't know all that stuff. But she, she finished in like eighth place as a freshman. Then as a sophomore, I guess she got better. She got better, um, trained more, did all this. But I guess after her freshman year, she was already starting to feel mentally that she something was, was off with her. So she was starting to feel different. She didn't know what it was. And I guess she talked to somebody who was trans, and they kind of explained to her what she was feeling, and that's when she realized, I'm really a trans woman. So her sophomore year, she goes back, competes, trains she gets bigger you know faster and all that and then she ends up finishing in like second place in their conference tournament or the conference championship i don't know exactly what the correct name is 
But from what I was reading, like, she was actually pretty good. Like, she was an above-average swimmer as a sophomore. So then at her junior year, this is when she realizes, you know what? I'm a transgender woman. I am not, I don't feel like a man. Like, I'm not a man. So she starts taking the hormone stuff that, I guess, gets rid of the hormones or makes you less of a man. Starts taking that medication. And then I think it lowers your testosterone and all that. So she takes that and then she comes out to everybody. She comes out to like the women's team, the men's team, her coaches and all that. But at this point, she's not allowed to swim with women. She's just started taking this medication. So she still swims with the men. But I guess at this point, she's wearing like a women's bathing suit and all that. She's like, I'm still going to do this on my terms. Now, what the article didn't really say was how she how she did at this point. Because from what they said, is she like lost strength and all that. And she wasn't the same swimmer. So I'm assuming she did not do as good after she started taking the medication. This is her junior year. So does bad and then sits out once COVID hits. She sits out the season because she doesn't want to like ruin it for her senior year. She wants to have a real senior year. So she sits out, saves her eligibility. Then by the time the senior year comes along for swimming, because I think they pushed it back. And then, you know, I think they gave him an extra year or whatever. That's when she was able to swim with the women's women's team so she goes to the women's team she swims with them and they say in the beginning she was average but as the season went along she got better she says she was weaker and all that you know she didn't have the same strength and another thing that i didn't get from this article which i wish they would have said because i probably could have looked it up but i don't know man i didn't really look up all the information i would want to see what her times were as a woman compared to when she was a man. That's what I really wanted to see. Like, were the times the same? Because they're saying she lost a lot of like muscle and she was weaker and this and that, and it affected her. And I, I'll probably have to research that and come back to y'all. But if those times were the same, I don't think that argument holds up. So I'd want to see how much different there difference there was in her times when she was a transgender woman as opposed to a cisgender man, which cisgender means you were born a man and you identify as a man. Sorry, I know I messed up with the non-binary thing a while back. I meant to apologize for that. Non-binary just means when you don't identify as a man or a woman. And I think I was confusing non-binary with cisgender. Also, I, I forgot um, on the episode I did with Mike, I said my birthday, I was turning 40 this year. I'm turning 39. So let me correct that too. I meant to do that earlier. Anyways, let's move on. So once she moves on to the women, like I said, she started out pretty bad. She gets better as the season goes and she starts whooping everybody. I think she, she won like a race by like 13 seconds, 16 seconds. So that's when it was like, all right, this is not fair. And then, you know, I'm on social media now. I don't know if I got to that. Actually, I'll do that on the next episode, but I'm back on Facebook. So I'm getting a lot of reaction from people on social media now, seeing how they feel about things. Whereas before I only go off of the news or my friends that I talk to, let me tell you the reaction to Leah Thomas has not been nice. Like I just showed you what my friend who's a swimmer said, so what do you think people that aren't swimmers are saying? Like, they have been brutal. Brutal. I've seen, like, a couple people defending her on Facebook for the most part, though. And, I mean, the people I see defending her are, like, hardcore left. Left people, people who believe that they have to defend every left issue. And I'm going to get to that, too, because I think that's a big problem in this whole um, cancel culture, the way we look at things. I'm gonna get, actually, I'm going to address that right now. 
because this is what I think the big problem is. I think the issue with the people like that is that they feel like they have to defend every issue, no matter what, especially when it comes to LGBTQIA. So a lot of people, you know, white people who are down with Black Lives Matter and all that, LGBTQIA, they feel like they have to defend everything. Those people are always right in these situations. And I think that's where the problem is that we are coming into right now is the need that you think you have to defend everything. You don't have to defend everything. It's kind of like, like I've said with black people where we can't just say every black person is innocent or, oh, this person was wrongfully killed by the police. Sometimes like the police are justified in their shootings. I hate to be the guy to say it, but if you pull a gun on a cop, like they are justified. That's why I don't jump off the cliff on every issue, especially on Facebook. I stay silent sometimes just because I'm like, you know what? I can't defend that. And I'm, I'm going to say that with the whole Leah Thomas thing. Like, if you can't defend it, like, you shouldn't feel like you have to. If you feel like she is in the wrong, it's okay to say that. It's okay to still support LGBTQIA, women's rights and all that. It's okay to do that and say, you know what? When it comes to competing in sports, I have an issue with that. Now, me personally, I'm, I'm still trying to figure out where I stand on the fence with this. Like, in the beginning, I think I was more pro-Leah Thomas. At this point, I think I'm more that it's unfair. But I'm, I'm still reading about everything. I'm still trying to learn about everything. And I'm not going to feel bad either way because, like I said, Every, you don't have to be right on everything. Everything doesn't have to be the right way. You can agree with one thing and disagree with the other, but Leah Thomas said, I'm a woman, just like anybody else on the team. And then one of the parents said, it's mean. Leah is a human being who deserves to be treated with respect and dignity, but it's not transphobic to say I disagree with where she's swimming. That I agree with. I don't think you're transphobic if you say it. But Leah Thomas also says, and this is where it's probably going to get confusing for people who feel like they have to be on one side of the fence. Leah Thomas said, there is no such thing as half support. Either you back her fully as a woman or you don't. The very simple answer is that I'm not a man. I'm a woman, so I belong on the women's team. Trans people deserve that same respect every other athlete gets. This is Leah Thomas's words. So she's basically saying you're either in or you're out. I disagree with that. I'm sorry, Leah Thomas, but I think I can be on the side of trans women's rights. But when it comes to sports, I can say it might be unfair. And this is the reason it's probably unfair. So Leah Thomas, and I've seen, I've seen a lot of stuff on Facebook. People have said uh, she's a failed male swimmer that's not true she was actually above average as a male swimmer she was really good she's six four too six four which is gonna give you a competitive advantage in the in the swimming pool but i think the problem that we have or that people have or they don't even realize is that it's not like me trying to swim against women like i'm a male but if i go try to swim against women i'm gonna get dusted i'm not good I'm a slow swimmer, 
So my body doesn't give me a competitive advantage. But the advantage, I think, is when you take an above-average male swimmer and you put him as a transgender female swimmer, where you're already above average as a male, like, what do you think you're going to do to the women? Bro? You're going to whoop them. And that's why she was winning these races by like 13 and 16 seconds. So I think that's the problem where it's not about letting trans people compete in the sports, but when you have above average athletes, I think you have to regulate that where it's just like, all right, bro. It's like, like if we want to see a transgender woman in the WNBA, people would not have a problem with it if she's not good. But the minute somebody like LeBron James type of type of talent goes over there, it's going to be a problem because they're going to be too dominant. They're going to be too good. So it's just, it's a matter of the, the type of athlete that is participating. I don't think this rule will work for every single person because I think most of the time the transgender women are probably not going to be like above average athletes. Like if you take Dwayne Wade's daughter now, Zaya, I don't know if Zaya's good in basketball. Like Zaya might not even be good. Why not? But if you put her on the basketball court, you know, she might just be average. So I don't know how much of a difference that would make. But Leah Thomas was already proven as somebody who was above average against men in her own um, conference, in the Ivy League conference. So I'm not buying the failed swimmer argument, but I do buy the argument that she was a good swimmer as a male. So yes, yeah, she's going to be dominant as a woman. And we have to kind of, this is so new to everybody, like having a trans woman in these type of sports. We didn't grow up with this, so we're kind of figuring it out as we go. And I, I think it's okay to brainstorming, like say, oh, this works, this doesn't. We shouldn't feel bad about our feelings when it comes to these issues. We just should be open to everybody's opinions and have a nice discussion where we can all try to come to an agreement. But like I said, you should not feel like you have to defend every trans issue, right? You can be for the cause, but every time they don't have, you, you can't say they're right every time. You don't, you shouldn't feel like they're right every time. Just like, I don't feel like every black person is right when something happens. I want to see my people succeed, but if you're wrong, you're wrong. And I wonder like what we think about this compared to like people who take steroids and compete. And is it like that type of unfair advantage? Although she took the opposite where it made her less of a man and um, took all the testosterone and all that stuff out of her body. And she said it made her weaker and all this. But like I said, I, I need to look more into the times. How much different was her time as a man and as a transgender woman? And then there was just a lot of anonymous stuff going on. They say some of the teammates didn't like her. Some of the parents were upset about it, but nobody would go on the record and say it, which I understand. So uh, one woman who was anonymous said, I can't go on the record and say I disagree because what if I'm trying to get a job later and they're saying I'm transphobic because I didn't agree with this. Like that's a fair concern. And these jobs now are more understanding of transgender people and their struggles. So you definitely don't want to be on the record opposing this. I understood where that young woman was coming from. And I thought that was a valid concern by her. So that's probably why we have so many anonymous people talking. Then I also seen people trying to compare it to 
Caster Semenya, who's a woman, cisgender woman, but they said she has too much testosterone in her or whatever. And she couldn't run in the Olympics because she was just dusting these women. But they're like, oh, she looks like a man, blah, blah, blah. And that, that's some BS right there. I don't agree with that. I think if you're born a woman, no matter what your testosterone levels are, you're a woman. Like, that's what you were born as. You should be able to compete, no questions asked. Like, look at LeBron James, man. LeBron James is physically superior to 99.9% of the people in this world. We're not saying you can't compete because you're so superior as an athlete. So I don't think that's fair for them to say that about Caster, who was born a woman and then wasn't even allowed to compete in the Olympics because they said she had too much of testosterone or whatever. But I'm sorry, whatever God gave you, God gave you. Like, you shouldn't be complaining or you shouldn't be holding that against people. That's not the same argument to me as Leah Thomas. Leah Thomas, that's a valid argument for us to have. Like, hey, she was born a man. She, we don't know what type of physical advantage she has gained from being born like that, as, as opposed to Castor Semenya, who was born a woman and just was genetically gifted. She shouldn't be punished for what God gave her, right? I don't like that comparison, but I do like, I do appreciate people bringing it up to show the hypocrisy that she wasn't even allowed to race. And people are fighting for Leah Thomas to be able to swim. And um, she was able to compete and she won the championship. She won all, I think she lost like one of her races, but she won like three races in um, the championship for the NCAA. And I, and I think that's where people have a problem. And she's, she's close to breaking Olympic records by like Katie Ledecky and some other people. And, you know, that's where people are starting to have a problem. They're also saying she could possibly be on the 2024 U.S. Olympic swim team if she meets the requirements. So this is not going anywhere soon. You know what else I want to bring? I want to point out. There's a woman, a transgender woman named Nyla Rose, who is a transgender woman who wrestles in AEW, all elite wrestling. And she won like the championship and she just be throwing them little girls around like they nothing. And I have not heard nobody complain about her. And I find that interesting. I know people are wrestling's made up, blah, blah, blah. But I mean, she's still tossing these women around like they don't like. She's a very dominant figure in that ring. So it's very interesting to me that nobody talks about her and her dominance in wrestling. And then also, is there a double standard with trans women and trans men in sports? When what I mean by that is, what if we had a dominant woman who was just like, like Castor Semenya? who said, I want to be a transgender man now. And she goes over and she races with the men and she's whooping them. And are people going to say that's unfair? You know what I'm saying? Like, is it only a double standard when it's a transgender woman or would it be a double standard if it's a transgender man that's dominating in a sport? Now, Mark did bring up to me. He said, what sport do you think a transgender man will be able to dominate in? And I'm not really sure. I really don't know any sports that, women are physically superior. I thought gymnastics maybe, but Mark is telling me, no, I don't know. I only watch women's gymnastics because the men are boring. So I really don't know if they're better than the men or not, but Mark says that the men can do more than the women. So I'll take his word at it. One of the issues though, that Leah Thomas's teammates brought up though, was her changing in the women's locker room with her teammates. And I found this very fascinating because they said she still has male genitalia. And she's attracted to women. Apparently she's come out and said that she only dates women. So like, is that fair for her to be seeing these women in the locker room naked? 
and then they see her with her penis and everything. Like, I don't know. The women said they were uncomfortable seeing that, which as a woman, I can understand. You're used to being in a women's locker room and seeing naked women. And then all of a sudden you see um, a male body part on a transgender person. You're probably a little uncomfortable seeing that for one. Because who knows where these women grew up? Maybe they never even seen a penis before. Like maybe they've lived sheltered lives where they've never seen a naked man. <laughs> and then also she likes women. So who knows? Maybe she's looking at y'all and checking you out, which I know people say like, you can't assume that everybody's doing that. Like that's the, the argument with like a gay person. You should never assume a gay person just likes every guy they see that they're going to be attracted to you. Cause they might not like, they might look at you the way women look at you like, Oh, he's ugly. So I get the argument, but I also get these women's concern where they're in the locker room and they feel uncomfortable. And they said they brought this up to like the coaches and stuff and nobody cares. Nobody's doing anything about it. They told them basically you have to deal with it. They were saying they wish she could like change in a different locker room or something, be away from them. And I didn't, I get there. I get the argument on that. I I do think that's a valid argument. I think if they're uncomfortable, their concerns should be taken into consideration. And I guess what they're saying is like everything is being done right now to make Leah Thomas comfortable and not them comfortable. And that's where the issue is because they feel like nobody's listening to their voices. And that's another one of these situations where it's like, you have to kind of be open-minded to both sides arguments in this case, because I think they're right. Like everything's about Leah Thomas right now where we're like, well, she okay. How's Leah Thomas feel about this? Like she's the one taking all the brunt of it, but she has teammates that are dealing with things too. I heard there was also a, they were in Florida for a swim meet where they weren't even allowed to wear their pen gear because they didn't want people to know who they were. So this effect is not just on Leah Thomas. It's an effect on that whole team. That's stuff we don't really think about when we talk about these um, trans issues and stuff. Like what effect does it have on the teammates? You know, it's more than, it's bigger than just one person. And like I said, we can't, we can't just say that, Leah Thomas is right in every situation like this. Like I'm not transphobic to say, well, what about the women that are in the locker? I'm sorry. Like I agree. Leah Thomas should get equal treatment outside of sports, but in sports, it's a gray area. We have to approach it differently. We have to be a little bit more sensitive, but we also have to be more understanding of not only Leah Thomas, but of both sides of the argument. Cause there's a lot of women who have worked like their whole college career and made it to the top. Like think about the woman who came in second place. Like without Leah Thomas, she's probably the champion. She's probably worked her whole life for that moment. So in your senior year to have somebody just come out of nowhere and beat you like that, it can probably be a little traumatizing, probably hurt. But like I said, I'm, I'm still not, I'm, I guess I'm leaning more towards that. We have to find a better way for this. Like, I would say we could have um, a transgender division, maybe like a transgender division where all trans women and all trans men, all trans men compete against each other. But I don't know if there's enough athletes for that. And I don't know how fair that is when it comes to like singling out and keeping them away. Like it's a tough situation. It's something that I don't think we're going to have the answers to right now. We're going to need a little bit more time on this one. But I just think everybody needs to be a little more open-minded with their opinions and their beliefs and just listen to the other side. You don't have to always agree with them, but it it doesn't hurt to listen. 
and the people who are like hardcore Leah Thomas supporters, y'all got to realize that you're not always right. Like it's not, you don't always have to be on that side. Like, you know what I'm saying? Just because it's a transgender issue doesn't mean you have to always agree with it. Now, the one thing I will say is 15, 10, 15 years from now, who knows what we think about this and how we feel about this. And I think that's the one thing I worry about. I don't want to be on the wrong side of history. So that that's something that's concerning to me, too, when I talk about these issues. And that's why I try to be a little delicate with it. But I also have to be a little bit decisive, a little stern in some of it, just because you can't straddle the fence too much. Like you kind of have to give an opinion on what you feel and, and don't be scared to give that opinion. So I'm going to wrap it up with that. I think it's probably unfair for an above average male athlete who transitions to a transgender woman to compete. But if you're, and I think that the NCAA or the USA, one of them were saying that like they're, they were going to determine who are the like special athletes, because if you're like a really good athlete, you're not going to be allowed. I think they did mention that. And I think we're going to have to have special cases like that, where if it's like you're too good, you probably can't compete with women. But if you're average, yeah, come on in, come on in. Cause you might get dusted either way. Like me, I would get dusted in swimming, even running. Like there's a lot of women who would beat me in running. So I just don't think you can say that every man is going to beat a woman in a sport, but someone who is as good as Leah Thomas was against men, probably going to be elite against women. I'll wrap it up with that. I have a lot more topics to get to, but I will come back on another episode and do that. Cause there's a lot more to talk about and I'm already an hour in. I have another episode with Kayla. Like I said, that's 30 minutes. So I'm hitting y'all with a lot of episodes this week. I hope y'all appreciate it. We will end this with some more goody mob. This song is called Distant Wilderness. Keeping it real with Jared Lawrence. If you have anything to say, reach out to me. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Beyond the Glory, at JLaw Radio on Twitter. Let me know your thoughts. Genocidal tendencies when they mention